0: Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17 time superhost, and I posted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay at home mom of two under two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you. Let's get right into the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer, and today I have Patrick... I'm going to say szwiątek because I know that that's how it's actually pronounced, wow. but I know everybody calls you Patrick Switek, but, you know, I'm <laughs> Polish, okay, so I'm going to be legit over here. Um. Anyway, Patrick, I'm really excited to have you on the show today uh, to talk about the Burr strategy have not covered that yet. I've talked about it and hinted here and there, but we haven't done an episode to fully break it down. So, before we jump into that, do you want to give a little intro on yourself, what you're doing and why you're why you're the bur expert and why you're here today?
1: <laughs> Thanks, Natalie. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. And for the people that don't know the strategy, I'll, I'll kind of explain it more or less. Um, and, you know, for the people that are getting started or the people that know it, just please bear with me. I'm going to just explain it all Perfect. through. But. My story really begins in the tech field. I was building companies since I was 14 years old. So I was an entrepreneur at heart. My first company, I had 15 staffers and I made $40,000 a year. So as a high school... As a 14-year-old? As a a (laughs) 14-year-old, yes. And so 14 to 18, when I sold the company, um, I was basically providing server space online for gamers worldwide. So I had servers in... Amsterdam. I had servers in Phoenix, all sorts of things. It was crazy endeavor. A lot of really interesting stuff happened. Um, but I, it just shows that I come from a very eccentric like tech background, but also very business oriented. At 18... This,
0: I'm sorry, but I have to yeah. interject. The staffers <laughs> that worked for you, did they know that their boss was 14 years old? Like Were, they, were your employees 13 or were they older than you? Yes. What was this like? Yes.
1: Yeah, so some people were some staffers were around 18 others were maybe 20 the oldest I had was like 25 26 which would felt really old at the time yeah and uh they yeah they knew I was 14 15 um I had a decent head on my shoulders so I think that came across really well and in the gaming world you could be young, a lot of people are younger, so it's very common that you run into somebody that's younger doing it, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm laughing because I always said that I was also entrepreneurial at fourteen, but that was like babysitting and having a lemonade stand, okay, Not running a tech company, so you just totally put me to shame. Um
1: oh no, no, it's all good. I think anybody that starts early, you'll you'll get that bug early. And you know, I had it since I was like eleven. You know, so mm. I I did like lemonade stands and stuff like that. I like cut people's lawns, um, try to hire an employee. I like 12 years old for law mowing. I, gave him a, I, I googled employee document and handed it to them and made him sign it. And it's like not even legally binding, but it's like one of those things.
0: I know. Doesn't this go against some like child labor laws or yeah, something? Yeah,
1: it does. Most definitely does. Uh, so don't recommend that for anybody listening under the oh age gosh. of 18.
0: How <laughs> cute though. And that's amazing. Yeah. I'm sure your parents were like so supportive through all of that. So... That's incredible. Um, okay, so how did we get from tech and gaming and providing yeah. servers into short term rentals?
1: Yeah, so there's a few other steps in the journey.
0: Oh, but don't uh, let me cut 18... you short if you want to if you want to go into it, let's go.
1: yeah, for sure. Um and you know, I'll kind of breeze through it, but I started multiple other companies once I was eighteen. I turned eighteen. I started a charity. I helped provide seats to Guatemala. Um, impoverished regions of Guatemala, and so that was like a business that I took on, and uh, that one didn't really pan out. Um, but we did, we did raise a good amount of money, and we definitely deployed it. And um, let's see, I, I also did like a dating app, so <laughs> it was a video dating app. I was in college, and that was the the issue at the time. Is oh wow, everyone's judging people by, based on pictures, and I developed a video. So I did that. Um, And really, I think the one thing that really stuck was this company called Menu3. I met my founder and we built this company. We got into a top educational accelerator. We raised capital. And I was managing a team of around 10 people that built the tech product that we had. And it was one of the most, you know, nobody in our industry was doing it at the time, which is augmented reality. And this was in college. I was 21 at the time and uh or 22 ish and we we built augmented reality menus so we basically put 3d models of food on the table in front of you to be able to see like what how much food you're getting like what the statistics for the food is like how many grams more or less through like algorithmic you know measures it was it was quite impressive. Um, I was not the technical founder, so don't ask me anything about AR. <laughs> I know the basic, <laughs> basics of You're just a business
0: guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was the business co-founder and that's kind of what what happened, but I, it was cool. We had landed on, uh, ABC news. Like if you Google my name, I'm sure that wow. could still pop up. So that was a really cool experience in general. Um, we moved to Chicago, our headquarters, and we were based out of, uh, downtown and, um, yeah, it just didn't really pan out at the end of the day. And I realized, you know what? I'm going to go as far away from digital as I can. I'm going to go into real estate. And so that's when <laughs> I moved to LA and I worked as a product manager, which is a technical role for Avance Day. Avante oh, is an yeah. arbitrage company. So what they do is they take the lease and they make more money on top of the lease. So they had, I helped them scale from like 200 to a thousand plus properties. Wow. So there was where I really got the bug of, short-term rentals, Airbnbs, COVID happened. And then I went into this period, which I'll gloss over for time's sake. Um, that was a low period of time. I didn't know what I was doing. I wanted to buy a real estate property. I all these, all these different things. I just got fired from three jobs. I didn't know where I was going. I was sleeping on my girlfriend's couch. It was just this rough period of time until I got a job and, um, another job after COVID, after I got laid off, got another job and I realized, okay, well now I can, you know, I can actually qualify for a property. And so I bought my first property in the Smoky Mountains. Wow. Yeah, What a (laughs)
0: twist and turn of events, but I definitely can see what I love about entrepreneurs is I, it's crazy to me how you can see a problem and just see that it needs solving like identify a problem and instead of complaining about it you come in with a solution like the dating app you know everybody's like is this a catfish let's make it video format and I think that that's so impressive so I would love to know kind of maybe we can weave that in as we're talking about Burr strategy and real estate and everything but what is like what are problems today that you'll see in your business and and how do you kind of like tackle solving those I'm sure you've carried that skill set with you into this yeah
1: no, it's a good question. And Natalie, I think you'll relate to this a lot because you've gotten the entrepreneurial bug as well. And it's more so, you know, while people complain about problems, we complain about problems, then we try to fix them. So, you know, that's, we that's still complain, the only difference.
0: We but we fix <laughs> but
1: we <still> it. We <laughs> complain. <laughs> we have to, we're human, right? Yeah. Like we have to complain, like what the, what's going on, right? Like we, something happens that are short-term rental. It's like we try to tell our group and our community yeah. and that's okay as long as, by the day, we're gonna have to solve it. So it's um, funny
0: because, like, on my Instagram and stuff, you know, I always vent about guests and stupid messages yeah. and things. And I'll mm-hmm. get comments that are like, if you hate hosting so much, why do you do it? And I'm like, you don't yeah. get it. Okay. I have to vent, <laughs> but I still love it and I'm still gonna fix it and become a better host. Yes. But a lot of people just <laughs> see the complaints and they're like, don't do it then, quit. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it is an interesting personality that I think is like, I'm still gonna vent about it, but I'm gonna get to work also.
1: Yep, I can relate so much. And, and I will say for the people that are listening that are in the short-term rental Airbnb space and are hosting their properties, the hosting, and I will argue this, the being a host is one of the most, honestly, biggest problem-solving experiences of my life. And I think that we have thick skin. I genuinely will listen to my friends complain about stuff. And I'm like, you don't even know. You don't even know. I had a guy peeing off my roof the other day. You don't even know, right? Like, so like, it's like, yeah, your cat peed on your your rug, great. But I had three cats that got snuck in and sprayed the whole house and was smelling for two weeks. So like, don't start me with your cat, right? So it's, we're problem solvers, right? And so it's like, but it's funny because hosts are problem solvers at scale, we're constantly having to solve other people's problems.
0: For sure. Okay. So, and I really think what you just touched on is so interesting too, because in the whole short-term rental industry, I feel like there's kind of two camps of people. There are people who are growing their real estate portfolio and they just sort of outsource the hosting part and they're all about scaling. And then there's the audience that really wants to actually do the hosting and they find it very intimidating to scale and grow. I'm personally in the second category, I love hosting, but getting bigger and bigger kind of scares me if I'm going to lose that personal touch or um, the the quality of hosting. And I feel like you're somebody who's actually doing both pretty well, like you, you are growing at the same time and actively pursuing a real estate portfolio and doing you know, the burst strategy where you can keep repeating, but you do know the intricacies of hosting as well. So um, let's let's like dive into all of this and how you're structuring things. Things, how you're pursuing new deals and maintaining quality. That's a huge loaded question. But I just right. want to yeah. hear like all, all your secret sauce you have to offer here. How do you do yeah, both? For
1: sure. So let let's let's just talk about the first property, right? I bought the first property, it was a turnkey property. I just needed something to, to get my confidence up. And you know, that property did really well. And I realized I'm like, okay, you know what? This thing works. And I, I doubled what the previous owner did. So I knew that my management style was pretty darn good. And I kept up with what was best in the industry.
0: So you purchased uh, an existing short-term rental. Yes. And why were they selling it? They just weren't happy with the performance? Or did you? was it even on market? Did you just come in and like pitch that you could do it better and give them an offer?
1: So it was on the market. Okay. Um, it was on the market. I saw the listing and it was not done right. Um, the pictures were horrible, and I saw a lot of potential. I I took it over, and all I did was just tweak the marketing. I added, I added some red pillows for pop. Okay, you know, with the brown cabin, red pillows okay. that was my girlfriend's choice, so I'll give her the credit. <laughs> uh, and we we really just went in there and took new pictures, high quality pictures, okay. and we just. Like staged everything correctly. We made sure everything was working functionally. And then we did automatic, we did um, pricing optimization, Mm -hmm. which helped a lot. For sure. The previous owner was running at $120 a night on weekdays and 180 on weekends. And it was consistent throughout the whole year, including Christmas. And so I remember Christmas being booked out like two years ahead. It was kind of insane. Or one year ahead. It was just very far out. Did you cancel
0: (laughs) that reservation when you took over ownership?
1: I I, I did a new listing. I oh, was okay. not taking those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they were booked up for like months ahead. And I knew that it was not going to be that much money. And, yeah. I was, and I knew I could do better. So I just did my own listing and they had to cancel those. Yeah. And they had 300, rev- 300 five-star or you know 4.8 Whatever. you know reviews. Yeah. And so that doesn't mean that they're doing well from a financial standpoint just because they have really good reviews. Yep. That's just one
0: thing. That yeah. is I want to touch on that really quick because actually right now of the properties that I manage, the one with the highest rating actually did brought in the least amount of revenue last year and essentially what i have there is a situation i co-host this property and that owner is so terrified of getting anything less than a five-star review he vets the guests so much um he won't allow instant book he only wants guests with multiple previous five-star reviews he takes so many precautions and so he's got the closest to like a 4.99 rating the, the best rating out of any of my properties he was the worst performing unit last year. And so that is one thing that I really try to tell hosts too, like reviews are not everything. You got to find that balance where you're still actually booking and maybe you're not going to please everyone and you will get some four stars, but you made money. That's what counts at the end of the day, right? When you have a mortgage and things to cover.
1: Right. And it's a business. And Natalie, and that's exactly why when I talk to, because I do co-hosting as well and I manage people's properties and what, I don't partner with anybody that's not aligned with what I'm trying to do. I want people to trust me with the property and wants to be aligned with the vision, which is to bring in the most money possible while still maintaining really great guest experiences and really great reviews. Um, That balance point. Right. Yeah. So like I always tell people uh, when you, when you charge really low rates, you're going to have more five-star reviews just naturally. Cause think about it. You, you, you have the expectation of a hundred dollars stay, and you're getting a $300 stay. Now that just, it's just a bargain. That's a deal. Like you're going to be so ecstatic. Now let's say that you go in and you're paying $500 for that same place. And so now your expectations are much higher, which is why I think a lot of times guests will have complaints from holiday guests because holiday guests are paying the premium.
0: And I literally just had this. <laughs> we are <laughs> yeah. recording this on, what is it, January 3rd? And I yeah. just kind of got over the hump of Christmas and New Year's and definitely had mm-hmm. the most complaints of the whole year. But they paid yes. six times more than my regular nightly rate. So,
1: yeah.
0: hey, I'm gonna you know, give
1: a, I'll put up with yeah, it. <laughs> go for it. Yeah, they can, they can do whatever they want. And so I think with this, I got this from Bill Faith. And so he told me, before he takes on a guest during the holidays, he'll call them. And it's an amazing tip because I call them and I say, Hey, um, you know, Tom, I see that you're coming to our property during Christmas. I know Christmas can be very stressful and there's a lot of things going on. I just want to, I'm your Airbnb host. I just want to make sure that everything's okay and, um, you know, if there's anything I can do or answer any questions, please let me know. And just really just develop that relationship with the person sure. before. And I, I think people really appreciate that. And um, yeah, you're going to get like one or two that are going to be like, why are you calling me? <laughs> but but I think overall, I think that mitigated a lot because I tested it from last year to this year. Yeah. And mitigate a lot of um, of bad reviews. I'm I'm assuming, or a lot of complaining at least.
0: That so. is really excellent advice. I know um, there's like the meme out there that millennials hate talking on the phone, mm-hmm. and so uh, I feel like most of my audience will not adopt that tip. But <laughs> I actually think that that's really smart, and um, mm-hmm. and to do it ahead of time is so is such a good idea. Like if I get a complaint, I like to call the guests just so they can hear mm-hmm. my voice, and it's not yeah. just all over monotone messages in Airbnb. But I do think that. Yeah. Establishing that connection beforehand is probably huge for people. I feel like I, as a guest, I might be a little weirded out, but I also think I'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. Okay. Now I know how to reach them if there is anything that goes wrong. Yeah. Great advice. Um, It's
1: very uncomfortable. Don't get me wrong. I'm... I'm (laughs) Just I'm with you. I'm twenty-six. So that is that took some time. But older <laughs> people especially appreciated the generations before us. So yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> and especially people booking at those prices and stuff. It might be an older generation that's planning the whole thing with their kids. And for them, that, that is that personal touch that they do still crave. So yeah. that's that's great advice. Um okay, so you had the one property, you basically doubled it with some marketing improvements and tweaks. What happened after this?
1: So this is when I started S Char Nation. <clears throat> so um, S Char Nation is basically the group that I run. Um, subtle plug, I guess. And um, <laughs> we plug yourself,
0: we... and at the end, we'll tell everyone how to connect with you too, and and all the things you got going on.
1: For sure, for sure. Yeah, I won't, I won't dwell on it. Um, but I, you know, I started doing that because I realized that I really need that community piece. Um, and that community piece was single-handedly what brought me to the level that I'm at today. And I see that with my students, myself to this day, is the ones that do the best are the ones that genuinely show up every day. And, you know, go to networking events, go to conferences, like the Level Up conference.
0: Ding, ding, ding.
1: In February. <laughs> I don't know when this is going to air, but get your tickets because it's going to run out. <laughs> and um, I've, I've already, like, preferred like, just a side note: I've referred so many people to this conference. I can't recommend oh, it enough. It's that that is so sweet. Conference.
0: If and, anybody, and I, if I meet anybody at Level Up Your Listing <laughs> Summit, that's that came through Patrick, you have to come up and say hi to me and and introduce yourself. <laughs> um, that's so nice. Thank you.
1: Of course, of course. And and those those conferences really level up your game. And I will say the thing about this, and I know we're going off track a little bit, but the thing I'll say about this conference is this industry for short-term rentals in real estate has the most diversity in terms of gender for sure. Our conference had a really nice split of 50-50. And it's it's because this industry needs everybody to contribute. And the fact that you guys have this female empowerment and all that kind of stuff it's really important. And I, you know, thank you for for being that person to fill that space. So
0: oh, man, just want to say that.
1: <laughs> um but <laughs> uh, on top on top of that, going back to what we were saying uh about what were you we talking about?
0: <laughs> after after you took the one and you doubled the performance on that, you know, what happened there? So you started STR Nation. You saw the got value it. in networking events. You started putting yourself out there and then tell us how you continued growing.
1: Right. So I I got the community aspect down and I started meeting a bunch of people. I started learning from my mentors, you know, just seeing examples of how people deal with stuff. And I started building out a framework for how things are done. While I was doing that... I also realized I maxed out my debt to income ratio. Um, So I was, you know, at the time I was making only $40,000 a year. And so I needed to live rent free to, to be able to even afford this house. And um, otherwise they wouldn't have approved me for the mortgage. And so it's interesting because I knew I was maxed out. I knew I couldn't do anything else. And that kind of, I felt like my growth could have hindered, but then I met this guy named Josh and he's, this guy that's been flipping, he's 29 at the time. He was 29, he's 30 now. And, you know, I was 24, 25. And I said, you know what, Josh, I do Airbnbs. He's like, I'm a flipper. And we decided, hey, why don't we join forces and <laughs> do this Burster method because he told me about Burr and I was like, well, I don't know how to flip or I don't know how to renovate. He's like, Don't worry about it. I've got a hundred under my belt. And I was like, all right, let's game on, baby. And uh so and basically so we...
0: <laughs> you were flipping them, but instead of flipping them to sell, flipping them to now keep them on as short-term rentals. Yes. Okay. So he
1: so his experience was flipping a hundred plus properties in his 10 years that he's been doing it since he was 19. Cool. So he's had that under his belt. He's young like me. He's a hustler. And I knew that if me and him, he wanted to get into Airbnbs. And I told him, I was like, hey, we can partner on these deals. That's totally fine. And so it it worked out because we decided to get our first Airbnb property, right? And knowing me, I I started not working like crazy. I started going to wholesalers. I was in a different industry now. I was, it was with wholesalers, flippers, all these different people. And I started going to all these events and started networking. I started getting contacts, started getting deals sent at me. I started negotiating deals. I started talking to agents and really just went full force. And in that month, I locked, me, me and Josh and I locked three, we locked four deals in total. But in that month, probably two, or probably a deal a month. Let's just say around there, a deal a month. Okay. And we we just went full force on Airbnbs. And these properties, for people that don't know what Burr is, uh, Burr is essentially buy, renovate, rent, refinance, and repeat. What that really means is that you are technically buying these properties at a lower price. They're usually run down. You add value through furniture, through, or sorry, not furniture, through like renovations and all these different things. And then you add on the furniture to make it more of a short term rental play. Now there's a lot of technicalities when it comes to this, right? Like you know, you only get so much repair money when you, when you use a hard money lender because we use, so, so I leverage everything. So I leveraged his capital. I leveraged his relationships with hard money lenders. I didn't have anything. All I had was Airbnb experience. I had this meetup that I was doing and I knew that I could work, outwork everybody. That's, uh, that's all I knew. And he was like, okay, let's put you to the test. And we did the first one together and he taught me everything throughout the way. And that first one is all I needed. Once once, once I was going through the first one, I already knew, like I, I'm a quick learner. I caught on and we started doing... We, I did the other ones, like I managed them all the way through. So um, yeah, and, and yeah, I mean, I've been I've been doing this for the last year, two years, and I think I have a pretty good grasp on how to do it. Yes, I'm not perfect, but um, I've learned how to do this method and it's actually very interesting because in an ideal world, because some, sometimes we got caught up with the higher interest rates, which we'll talk about, but in an ideal world... You which we were destined to do with some of these properties to literally put zero money into the deal because we were getting the hard money, and then we 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 did something called gap funding. We basically got funding for the rest of the down payment, so we put zero money into the deal okay and and so when we put zero money in the deal, we're also refining it to refinance at a higher rate and pulling all of our money out. So we basically get these Airbnbs for free.
0: Right. Okay. So I want to, I want to understand this a little bit. So when you talk about getting this gap funding and you say that you put zero down, you yourself put zero money into it. You and Josh, right? Your partner put zero in, but it's not that you had a $0 down payment. You just got it covered by someone else. Is that right? Yes. Or did you do some loan where you got a zero down payment? Correct.
1: Okay. So Natalie, you're exactly right. So so with hard money, the cool thing that you can do with hard money is you can, technically, you can technically get the hard money, which is pretty much they give you the purchase, all cash, and they give you repairs depending on what the ARV is. So after repair value. And what we do is essentially go in there and um, go to another investor and say, hey, listen, the down payment is, with the additional cost, is going to be around 50000 Do you want to invest with us? We'll return you 10% on your money. And they'll come to us and say, yeah, like, I just want this to be passed some a dentist or whatever. And they will pretty much put we'll put it as a lien against the property so that they are secured against the asset in case we oh, default. Okay. So now they feel like their money is secured against an asset that has real value. We show them the numbers and show them the, the 100 plus flips that my partner did. And, and we just pretty much do that. And once we refi out of that loan, ideally, we want to be able to not have to, we just paid him full off, everybody full off. And we don't have to put any money out of pocket. Sometimes you do have to put some money out of pocket because this is an Airbnb and we are doing some heavy renovations on these. Like we're adding furniture. Furniture is like expensive, especially yeah. when you want it done right. Yeah. Um, but what I like about this method more than any other method is the fact that we can out-compete anybody in our industry. Joshua Tree is known, that's the market we operate in. Joshua Tree is known as a saturated market right? And it's, to us, it's not because we do such a differentiated experience because we have a blank canvas. We can do whatever we want. We could do a blue fireplace with blue tile. We don't have to work with anything. We can choose our tiles. We can choose our paint. We can choose what amenities go in. And so that gives us a lot of power because we can make everything done really nice before an affordable um, budget, right?
0: When you say that you can do whatever you want with the property, you're not doing new builds though and building from scratch, right? No. You're you're just taking absolute shitholes holes and having yeah. no guilt <laughs> about ripping everything down to the studs and starting over. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Um and I I love I love the burst strategy too and I'm really happy to have you on and talk about it because like my audience is mostly people who are they don't have a ton of money to put into the first investment and stuff. So this is really, truly the way to get in at a really low price property and put your own value into it. So that is amazing, though, because the one hang up I always hear for this is, well, even if I could get the down payment because the property is low, I have to put 60,000 into it or something. How do I do that? So you're able to get these loans based on the, what was it? The after repair value, ARV.
1: Yeah. So they'll, they'll analyze the deal. So let's, let's do like an example deal, right? Let's we do got an this example. Property. And also, yeah. can you
0: explain, are you, are you doing like private funding for this or are you walking into, you know, Bank of America or something?
1: This is, this is, um, okay. So we use, the hard money is, is a company we use, we use Kavi. So that's our hard money lenders. Can you so this spell is not that? A conventional um, K-I-A-V-I. 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 So, okay. Yeah and we use them they they don't do it in all states but any hard money lender will do if you're networking out as a real estate investor you're going to find hard money and the second piece is going to be private investor so that down payment the difference between conventional loans and loans when you when you do it uh this way is that you can actually get money for the down payment they don't really care how the money gets there you okay. know so it's like you can raise that capital okay and and so and so the race that I'm getting are really competitive because I'm working with somebody that's already done it. I always tell people if they want to get into this space and want to do burrs and stuff like that, partner up with uh with a flipper. You know, mm-hmm. as if you especially if you have Airbnb experience, a lot of these guys and, and I've noticed even some people that are in the limelight, like public, like Instagram people that flip houses and got into Airbnbs, they're secretly selling their Airbnbs. Sorry guys. You know yeah. why? Because Y'all are listening to this podcast and you guys are getting better and you guys are focused on hosting. That's what makes you really good. Not to say that these people are really bad at Airbnb. I'm just saying these people have a specific skill set of flipping houses. That's what they're good at. And so when you join forces, which is what I did with my business partner, I manage the units and I know how to manage the units. I know how to bring top line revenue and all that. And I know how to do the rehab too. But at the end of the day, he was the one that guided that you know, area of our relationship.
0: This so. is fascinating to me. And I, and I like, I just love your approach that you said, okay, I've got the hosting skill set. Now let me go to guys who have money and can like get properties repeatedly, you right. know? And um, actually, I don't think I've even said this yet on the podcast, but I'm actually getting my real estate license right now. Not because Rax. I want to be a realtor. I will never host an open house. I'm not going <laughs> to sell you a house, okay? But I want to do it because I was like, you know what, it's going to get me um, I I want to be like in different circles, not just amongst hosts, you know. And I'm yeah. like, if I'm with realtors, I feel like they can they they have clients that are buying for short term rentals, and um, I, I want to be like in circles where I bring a different skill set and a different yes. expertise. So yes. yeah, I I love that you're saying that. So you put yourself in rooms with wholesalers and flippers and mm-hmm. people doing something else, and it's funny because I always will hear from. Um, you know, I'll do consultations with people who want to do co-hosting or something. And they're like, I just don't know who would pay me to co-host. Like the the stuff I do Mm. is so easy. You know, I just respond to guests and set it up. And it's like, if that comes easy to you, it doesn't to everybody else. So you have to market that portion. And you're totally hitting this on the head. Actually, what you just said, I just heard... Through a friend of a friend of a friend that somebody, everyone would know this person, I won't say who, but somebody who had a pretty big show on HGTV, they also had some short-term rentals that they are now selling or trying to find a co-host for. And mm-hmm. I was shocked because I've l- looked up to this person and just found them to be <sighs> so untouchable. Yeah. And when I heard that they were failing at this, I was like, no way. Then? Wow. But it is yeah. so true that... I think that this is actually going to be one of the biggest things that we see in 2023. Is so many hosts are just going to start selling properties or looking for co-hosts or outsourcing. It's already manager. happening.
1: Totally. So everywhere, everywhere. People, so.
0: people saw like the people saw the cash flow and just thought that it was a quick, easy cash grab, and then realized, oh shoot, I actually have to talk to people mm-hmm. and and repair things and care about design and hospitality. I'm out. Yeah. So I think that this is going to be a huge opportunity in this year for co-hosts or what you just touched on, partnering with somebody. And if you can bring the hosting skill set to their mm-hmm. money, you're solid. Um, I want to ask you, you gave that example of a dentist who might just want passive income. So you right. tell them you'll give 10%. I don't know if you were talking about an actual dentist you've worked with or if that was a hypothetical.
1: <laughs> but That's just an example.
0: Okay. But how do yeah. you how do you find people to just give you their money and trust you to bring that hosting piece. And, you know, yeah. who's, gonna, who's just going to trust you? Even if you put the lien on the property, they still technically don't collect unless you sell. So how do you even get people to, to give you money?
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's a good question. So how do you get people to trust you? And I think that's the core question with all sales and all things, right? And I think the best way to do that is by putting yourself out there and talking about it. That's the easiest way. You don't know who might have that property. You know, there might be a cousin, a distant cousin at a family gathering that has a property that they're not doing anything with. And they were thinking about airbnb being it, but they don't know anything about it. So there's so many different scenarios that can happen as you go out there. Um, and opportunities happen or are, are, are created through that. And so it's interesting because sometimes, um, I and I heard my, my friend also ran into a situation where he was... 19 at the time and he wanted to buy a property and he didn't have uh credit or he didn't have the money. And so he found someone to do the credit or sorry, the money side by just talking about it. And his sergeant overheard him and decided, oh, OK, I'll I'll give you I'll give you money like no problem. And he didn't even know the guy, And so it's like he was just so distant up in the in the hierarchy. But the, the core premise here is there are there's a lot more money out there than there are people that are willing to deploy it. And when you grasp that concept, you realize you're, you are you could do unlimited deals. But the problem happens, you have to get good at like, finding deals. So the money is the easy part. I mean, go to any of my, you know, like, if you go to any of my networking events, and people ask me this question all the time, people say, well, where are the people with the money? And I just, I stand up on a table and I say... Who has the money here? Who's here? Who would invest in a deal if it's a great deal and it cash flows really well? I don't. I don't think I had. A, I had like half the room raise their hand. Yeah. I'm like, all right, talk to all those people. There you go, right? And so it's one of those things where people have to realize that sometimes you just got to talk about what you do. And th- the best opportunity that I find for this is when people, wh- whatever my ask is, I always put it in when people ask me, "Oh, how how are you? Like, what are you doing? Like, what you been up to? I sneak it in there. And depending on what they need, they, they, you know, ask me more about it. So, oh yeah, um, yeah, I'm just hosting some Airbnbs. I actually have a conference coming up. So, and and also um, I'm looking for like just some sub two deals, some subject to creative finance deals. That's, oh. I'm, or I'm getting into that. And so they might be like, oh, well, I have a creative finance deal or, oh, I, I would love to go to a conference. Like, can you give me some more information? So like, you see how this is like a natural selling ability, right? With, okay. And it's like, no pressure.
0: (laughs) I just learned something from you because every time I do my elevator pitch or or share my bio, it's always, I always put it kind of in past tense, like what I've done. I've hosted this many reservations. I've been hosting for this long. I love that, that you add that piece of what's coming next. Like I'm looking for subject to properties, like you said, or something. So someone could very easily say, I'm looking to take on more, more co-hosting clients. Um, you know, all I'm, right. I'm an interior designer for short-term rentals. I'm looking for stuff design. I love, yeah. I need to add that to mine now. <laughs> you need to add the yeah, things that you're doing that. in the future to your elevator pitch as well. I of love course. that.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I would recommend.
0: Okay. Okay, cool. So, all right. So, so you get money and everything and, and now you're, now you're getting the deals going. I would like to ask you also about, how the money gets kind of split out. So let's say we've got this hypothetical dentist. He gives you you money and you tell him you'll give him 10% back. What happens with the other 90%? How do you actually get paid out? Are you only making money when you sell the property? If you keep it for short-term rental and you're cash flowing on that, like what does the financial structure here look like?
1: Yeah. So, so, if there's some, if there's a dentist that is putting in, let's say this hypothetical dentist, and is putting in money, I would if there's honestly, a dentist who wants
0: to sponsor this show or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> dentist, that's where the money's at, guys. <laughs> uh, no, but any doctor, any other cross industry, um, you know, I, the, oh, the other way I, I will say for raising money, just honestly, what, and Amy Majority taught me this. Um, she taught me to just text people like, Hey, um, I'm looking. I'm looking to buy real estate. I, I'm a real estate investor. I, whatever Margaret from fifth grade. Um, I'm a real estate investor, and you know, I'm I'm always looking to, you know, to to raise some money. And and so, if there's a deal that makes sense for you, is it okay if I, you know, send it to your email? And I promise I won't spam you. And there's a lot of times people will just give you your, their email. And I texted fifty people that, and I was surprised at the conversion rate, it was so high. And wow. these are people that were like distant to my network. So this is like, gives you an opportunity to just get, I mean, you'd be surprised. People have money, like people in other industries are better for money, right? Like when they're not in real estate and it's like, they just, they're, they're focused on what they're doing and they just want to give you money. So that's one thing I, I will say. Um, going back to your question on the financial structuring, the way that we do it is we, we give, let's say that we agree on 10%. Right. So it's an annualized return. So if they give us a hundred thousand dollars, ten percent of a hundred thousand dollars is
0: oh, are you asking me? Ten thousand? Yeah. Did
1: I what? get it? Ten thousand? Yes, okay. correct. Uh, oh, that's and, and so I'm trying to be engaging here. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. And so this is like school one one, right? <laughs> and uh, and so pretty much it's ten thousand, right? And so ten thousand dollars is how much I give at the end of the year. But that's that's oh. annual, That's over the period of time that I hold it. So if, if I only hold it for six months, which is half the year, um, and then I refinance after after six months, like six months is when I get the
0: new loan. Then you would only get five thousand.
1: So yeah. So the new loan. So the old loan that we have <clears throat> is we have this. Let's 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 use an example. Right. This property is two hundred seventy thousand dollars. Right. Okay. And we get a loan for a hundred. $120,000, or oh, sorry, $120,000 is the loan, or, or sorry, the repair. So $120,000 is the repair. Two seventy dollars is what the property is um, purchase, purchase price, price. right? Okay. So the the hard money lender gives us $390, right? Okay. Total. Now, let's say in an ideal situation, which, let's just talk ideal, let's make it easier. We, we appraise... Let's say that after we do the renovation, one hundred twenty thousand, we appraise at five twenty. What happens is when we get that new loan, and it's twenty percent down or twenty five percent down, depending on how you structure it, that refi, you will basically be able to. You'll have the new loan, and it'll be you only have to put twenty five percent down, and you might—I don't know the math right now—but you might be able to pull out all of the money from this deal and be able to pay back that dentist. So $5,000 to the dentist because it took six months, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have the the original people that lent us the um, the cash. Okay. We pay them back. And while this is also going on throughout the six months, every month we do a payment to the hard money lender. Okay. So, the so doctor. So what I'm trying to say is, the dentist gets paid out at the end of it. Okay. 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 And the the hard money lender gets paid interest every month. But so when we return the money, it's going to be a hundred thousand dollars to the dentist plus the five thousand dollars they made for that six months. Sure. Sometimes what will happen is then. So some people will do their taxes quarterly, and what they'll do is they'll say, "Hey, you know what?" Um, if you have another deal, keep it in the escrow account and roll it over into the next flip that you do. Uh-huh. And the reason that they say that is because they want to defer the taxes further. Yep. And they don't want their they don't want to show a, a gain of five thousand dollars in a quarter that's super let's say that there's there's a lot of earnings happened on that quarter. They don't want they want to push it out. Yeah. So they let us keep the money. And so because they didn't um, they didn't get their money back and secure that gain. They're still in the running, so they get they defer the game to later. You see what I mean?
0: Okay, so now oh. they've got $105,000 in that account yep. that you can play with. Wow. So really, yep. you only have to make – I mean, this might not work in every case, but when you find that hypothetical dentist, you only really have to make that pitch that one time, and there's a good chance that they will then just leave the money with oh, you. Oh, yeah.
1: They'll repeat. Wow. They'll repeat. So, so a lot of times, I think Patrick, you are
0: blowing my mind right now. I'm <laughs> like, I'm learning yeah. so much.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so, and and I will. You know, I I'm not like a expert at this. Like, this is just like. Something that I've learned, like raising money. But if you want somebody on that knows their stuff, is Amy Majuri is the person that you should bring on this podcast. So I blow your
0: mind. I actually am going to be speaking. um, I'm speaking at the STR Summit um, hosted by the Real Estate Robinsons um, this month Mm -hmm. in Orlando, and Amy is Mm -hmm. another speaker. I have not met Mm -hmm. her yet in person, but now I'm like so excited to go talk to her and share a stage with her and and get this to happen. (laughs) So you are here to give us the whole intro to this, and then in a month after I meet her, we'll have her on to do the expert deep dive. Um, Okay. You're, you're seriously blowing my mind right now. I think (laughs) that I've always just felt like getting money from other people was just this like super, I don't know, just like scary, ominous thing that they're trusting me with all these finances and stuff. And I don't know why I feel that way because I see how productive short-term rentals are, but Somehow, with my own money, I'm kind of, you know, willing to take risks and and upgrade certain design choices because I like it, but I'm so nervous with someone else's money. Uh, That's my next question for you. Like, when it comes to the design and stuff or the upgrades, where do you – I've definitely been known on certain flips, like, that I'm doing – to spend a little more money if there's like a tile that I just absolutely love. And I, yep. and you know, it just like brings me so much joy. Where do you kind of draw those those rehab lines and, and those costs when you are being trusted with someone else's money?
1: I, I don't. And <laughs>
0: the, I love that. The, okay.
1: At the end of the day, right? The, if I decide, you know what, this is going to give me an ROI and I know this sauna is going to definitely give me $20 more. It, the dentist gets paid out sure. after the six months, so I have this Airbnb property, hopefully free property. I put zero money in the deal, and that's cash flowing me constantly. And this dentist gets their money, and they're out. I don't talk. The dentist is out, and then onto the next deal. Okay. I use their money as a vehicle to get more deals. Is done. If there happens to be anything that I have to use above the money that he lends me, then I use my my own money or, in this case, Josh's money. So my my business partner. Okay. So that's kind of how we structure it. Sometimes Josh will put money down, but we try not to, and we try having him keep the cash because when he can keep the cash, then um we feel more secure about taking other people's money. Because if, if we lose on it or we go over budget, it's okay, we'll just pay them out. Sure. From, like let's say like what happened with the refis is the refi is coming in lower. So we're going to have to put money out.
0: Okay, and so that was your of, safety of net.
1: So, so, so because we have to put money out, we're, we're not getting these Airbnbs totally free because of what's happening in the economy right now, right? Okay, this is um,
0: perfect. This is actually the last point I wanted to touch on with you. Yeah. Let's talk about the refinance part of the whole Burr method and... Um, I actually want to interject. So I had Brenna Carl's on the show a couple of weeks ago to talk about loans from the mortgage shop. And she said that right now she actually wouldn't advise a burr strategy. She called it, she would do burr her and it's HELOC <laughs> instead of refi. So I'd love to get kind of your thoughts on that and how you guys are changing your strategy based on the, on the higher interest rates right now.
1: Yeah. So the higher interest rates are definitely messing with us, right? This is no, this, like I agree with her, um, I would not start it right now. We just got caught up in the middle of it. Okay. And w- the cool thing about Burr is that you are in on the property at such a lower rate that even with what's happening right now and, and Airbnb being very high cash flow and these properties being very differentiated, we're still cash flow and positive. Okay. So we're not. There's we're not losing our stuff. Like we're still okay. We just have more money out than we would like and we thought that we were going to have a lot more free airbnbs. Okay. But that's not the case. So, so, which is okay.
0: When you say that you have a lower rate right now, you mean you you got that lower mortgage rate, right? Because you purchased worse properties at lower costs. No, I, I got oh. the
1: lo- so so my yeah, cost basis this? is lower. So my cost basis is lower. So let's say I I put in let's say it's a $300,000 property and I put $100,000 into the property. And the property was supposed to appraise at like five fifty. Okay, that's one hundred fifty thousand dollars over. Yep. if you're following. And but it appraised at, I don't know, like four fifty. Okay. So now we're still in on the property at four hundred. So we still have fifty thousand dollars of equity buildup. Mm. So you see what I mean? So yeah. we still have a cushion, okay. and and that just makes it so much easier. Where like yeah, we we could have we could have gotten the same property for you know, $50,000 more and we did all of this work and that kind of sucks. But at the same time, we know that once interest rates go down, we will refi all of our properties and our payments are going to go down like crazy and our properties are already cash flowing. So, you know, we're going to be cash flowing 2X. Um, And it just, it's a great, you know, here's here's the thing with, with, I think the people that got really screwed in this situation with the high interest rates are the people that bought properties turnkey. And mm-hmm. did not run their numbers um, based on worst case scenario, and they're the ones really, you know, riding the struggle bus. Sadly, and you know, with the Burr method, yes, it was it's risky too. But at the same time, you're getting in on the property for lo- way lower if you do it right. So yeah,
0: okay, okay. Has there been any sort of temptation, like with the? you know, lower demand and travel right now and the higher interest rates um, since your partner came from the world of flipping. Has there been any temptation to just flip and sell these properties? Or oh, yeah. are you like, no, we are short-term <laughs> rental. Like, that's what I'm here for. What, what's your thought process with this?
1: Yeah, 100%. We we listed, we couldn't sell. And, wow. and, and the only reason we would list them, we listed two properties. And the reason we listed these two is because we know we can redo this whole process again and get in at these lower rates that right now we're negotiating like properties at such lower rates. We want to jump in and just buy more and do it better because now we've just gotten so much better at the rehab. We know what works, what doesn't. And so we have these properties that are doing okay. They're, they're decent, but they're not like our two high top performers. Are too high. Top performers. I, w- I know exactly what it needs now, mm. and I can adjust my investment strategy and get at a lower cost basis. I don't care about the. Well, I do care about the interest rate. Don't get me wrong, but I also don't care about it that much because I know real estate's the long game. So you so care about long- it
0: in the sense that yeah, it's changing your strategy, but you don't care right. about it in the sense it's not scaring you from like leaving the, the yeah. real estate investing or or exactly. leaving the game. Okay.
1: And, and right now, um. Just- just to let people know like what I'm doing right now and and what I've learned from people that I've spoke to on my podcast and beyond is that people are really starting to get into the creative financing aspect. So the creative financing is going to be huge. So there are people that are that over leveraged bought these Airbnbs that are mismanaged. They realize, oh my God, Airbnb is not for me which is a common trend here. And you could get into these properties or co-host for them. You can A, co-host for them. B, if they want to pull the money out, you can say, hey, um, I will assume your mortgage and get in at that 3% that they're at um, while giving them a down payment, right? So having them be the bank. There's so many different ways to structure the deal. I know people that are buying Airbnbs and just having the owner... Pay down the down payment. So, you know, like it's, let's say it's a DSCR loan. Yeah. And you're, it's, there's like 20% down. They're having the owners put 15% down. So they only have to put 5% down. You see what I mean? Like the, the, the and then even that 5% down, you can ask your cousin Mark, you know, he's got this IT job and you can ask him, hey, Can you put the rest of the 5% down plus closing costs, man? Like I'd really appreciate it. And I can give you a percentage or I can give you some equity in the deal. There's so many ways to go about it. What I'm trying to say is like, there's no excuse. If you're, if you want to buy properties, you can buy properties. If you want to co-host, you can co-host. Whatever you want to do, you can do. Just be careful and run your numbers because that's the most important part is running your numbers. And and if there's people that want to get into real estate investing, like, buying properties, uh, buying boutique hotels, doing all this stuff. There's two things I would do. One is I would like, I would a hundred percent, um, use other people's money and you can make it, you can get it done and partner with people. And the second thing is, to interwine with different people outside of your realm, right? Mm-hmm. So it, like, like you said, you wanted to go to realtors and see how they are. Mm-hmm. And like for me, I started being around a lot more people that were in multifamily space, that were in flipping, that were in wholesaling. And so now I'm mixing strategies like, oh, we can convert this apartment complex into all short term rental units. Oh, great. Oh, there's this boutique hotel that we can run like an Airbnb. Oh, awesome. So, you know, these opportunities came to me where I put a boutique hotel under contract. The reason I was able to do that was only because I was in these circles and constantly meeting other people that are doing it and realizing, you know what, I could probably get a boutique hotel for as much as a one Airbnb. Why would I get an Airbnb? You know? And so there's so many different ways about it. Real estate's such a broad world and it's going to take some time to find our focus. But at the end of the day, you just partner up with people and You know, if some, like you said, Natalie, if something comes easy to you, don't assume that it comes easy to somebody else. Yeah, that's your expertise.
0: Sell that and (laughs) market that. Yeah. 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 Um, Okay, you are so inspirational and just like so knowledgeable. I'm really, really glad we had this conversation. And I you just like blew my mind. I learned so much from you. Um, Can (laughs) you can you share I know that you do local real estate meetups local you're in Southern California, as well as myself. I know not all my listeners are but can you tell us about some of the stuff you have going on and how people can connect with you, either in person or or through your podcast or anything?
1: Yeah, for sure. And so if people want to contact me, I'm an open book. I talk to anybody, I help anybody out. Uh, you can reach me at Instagram, the best. It's Patrick, P A T R Y K underscore S W I E T E K.
0: I will link There's, that.
1: <laughs> perfect. Yeah. And, and it's, and I know it's my name, but. Uh, There's not that many Patricks with a Y, so it's pretty easy to (laughs) find me. He'll (laughs) pop (laughs) up. And um, definitely if you want to, you know, because Natalie and I are talking, and I'll definitely be interviewing Natalie soon on my podcast. So if you want to follow me on my podcast journey, it's Patrick, P-A-T-R-Y-K, Real Estate Show.
0: I will and, link yeah. that below as well. Perfect, um and then perfect. you're also the founder of STR Nation, um, which is a right. really big Facebook group at this point. And what else, what other resources do you guys offer to hosts and investors?
1: Yeah, so we we're we have big goals and big dreams. We do conferences just just like Natalie here. <laughs> And uh, we were just talking about that before the show.
0: Yours is in the fall, right? October. Yes.
1: Okay. It's gonna be in the fall. Okay, um, we'll so bring you like back September.
0: on before that, and you yeah. can you can promote that. It's all good.
1: Okay, <laughs> it's all good. And and so if if people want to reach me, just you know, STR Nation is the Facebook group. If you want to join the Facebook group, it's great. We will accept you. I promise. If you just Put in Natalie is the best in the referral, then I will know who it is, and i and I'll make sure to get you guys in <laughs> and um yeah, just want to build keep building a community. I think that's what's important, and that's what you're doing with empowering women and just constantly just teaching people as much as I can, and you teaching people as much as you can and I think that's that's why I love this community. it's just so freaking giving and I love you guys so much. It's so amazing. So thank you for that. Yeah, no,
0: you're really, you're really so inspirational. And I've, I've found that as I've become, you know, like a hosting expert, I almost get, I know so much about hosting now that I get nervous going to real estate meetups and being in a room with uh, like wholesaling, which I know nothing about, you know, or flipping. (laughs) And it's, it's kind of crazy how almost like the better I've gotten at hosting, I've, seen like I've gotten more shy about learning about other things it shouldn't be that way but I just you know it's it's just kind of like held me back a little bit because I'm like oh I'm so good at this I don't want to be a newbie at anything again (laughs) but you are just completely changing my mindset like you've just dabbled in so many different things and you have such a big overarching picture of Of real estate investing i think that you just your options are so unlimited because you any deal that's presented to you i feel like you would know something you could do with it so um i have so much to learn from you and i'm excited to keep tuning into your your new show and and watch all of that grow um so thank you so much patrick um i'll link how to connect with you below um have a good one and we'll talk soon
1: thanks natalie appreciate
0: you And finally, for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole, I had to share this one. Once again, I found this in a Facebook group, but this is the Airbnb Ambassadors Facebook group. And I have to say, this is the first time I have ever found Am I the Airbnb Hole content in this group. Because usually, I find these posts from hosts who have no idea what they're doing in these Huge Facebook groups that have like 40,000 members and people that just are, are clueless and brand new. In my ambassador Facebook group, though, this is all Airbnb ambassadors. Like we are all experienced hosts. We've been doing this for a while. We help brand new hosts get set up. So I never really find entertaining content on this page. Well, I found it by a friend of mine. I won't name her, but a fellow ambassador who I adore. And I just have to read this. And, and the moment I read it, I knew I wanted to feature this one because you'll see. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so she wrote, ladies and gentlemen, I present you can't make everyone happy 2023. Yes, she's right. We talk about this all the time. She said, I currently have a guest stating that I misrepresented the listing and falsely advertised because my pet friendly cabin doesn't have a dog park within walking distance. Therefore, it isn't actually pet friendly. Here's the kicker, okay? She says, Airbnb is siding with the guest despite the fact that I never advertised nor was even asked about a dog park. How is this even possible? I had to share this because I have had so many people tell me, oh, your listing probably gets higher in search rankings or you get better help from Airbnb customer service because you're an ambassador. Clearly, you guys can see they do not care, okay? When Airbnb wants to screw over a host, they do that. They do that across the board equally, all right? I love Airbnb. You guys know I always defend them, but when it comes to this, if you get a customer service rep that doesn't know what they're doing, probably a new hire, hasn't been trained, they do not care. They are equal opportunity offenders. There's no protection for ambassadors, all right? We are in the trenches when we have to fight for 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 situations like this just like you guys are but this is where it gets even better she says just when i want to rip my hair out i read this and then she attaches a screenshot of a review that this guest left in addition to complaining about the fact that there was no dog park this guest also wrote shower curtain was very average i cannot you guys what what defines a non-average shower curtain I don't even know what that would look like, but like what I specifically love is the way that they phrased it that shower curtain was very average. How can something be very average like very is a word that adds intensity to something like something can be very boring or very exciting right like it's more on on a spectrum. Average just means it's average it's in the middle. How can you be very average? there's no like it, 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 does that make sense what I'm saying? I, How could, like, this phrasing just kills me. The shower curtain was very average. It's average. How can it be very? It's just, it's just average. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, oh, my gosh. This is just so frustrating. If I was her, if I was this host that got this review, I would just, like, uh, there's just so much stupidity out there, you guys. There's just so much stupidity. Like, first of all, why are we even complaining about the shower curtain being average? What does that even mean? What What is an average shower curtain? What is a non-average shower curtain? What is an above average shower curtain? Can we get some context? Like, maybe if there was no liner on the shower curtain, you know, and the water was coming out, maybe if there was, like, mildew on the shower curtain. But, like, how is this constructive feedback? How do people not know how to leave reviews? This is just, I, oh my god. Like, it Truly, I mean, she nailed it. From the, from the first sentence of the post, she said, I present you can't make everyone happy 2023. Damn right. People like this, you cannot make happy. What does very average mean? It is not possible for something to be very average. Clearly, in this case, these guests are the Airbnb holes. And frankly, if Airbnb does not remove that review and continues to side with this guest, Airbnb, you are the Airbnb hole as well. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know, a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye!